Yo, yo, yo. Episode number 76 of the It's Just a Game podcast. I'm your host, Chris Pill. Today, for the very first time, I got another Eagles fan to vent about the Eagles with. I have uh, this good guy. We're going to talk about our hatred for the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk about what do we feel about the rest of the season. We're going to talk about this whole Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz thing. We're going to talk about Hobby Roseman and his terrible drafting over the last few years. We got a lot of things to talk about. So, we're going to get right into it. So, see you on the other side. Calm down, Kaiba. It's just a game. Uh, the phrase, it's just a game, is such a weak mindset. You are okay with what happened. Losing. Imperfection of a craft. When you stop getting angry after losing, you've lost twice. 76 of the It's Just a Game podcast. I'm your host, Chris Peel. Now, normally on Mondays, I get the fan of the opponents that the Eagles play, but I got that out the way on Friday. I got a Giants fan on Friday, so I figured it was just, you know, only a matter of time until I got another Eagles fan to hop on. <laughs> so, and the best time is right now during Dallas week. So, introduce my guy, Tyer, from the Philly Experience Podcast, and um. Tell us a little about yourself, Tyre. Oh, man, I appreciate the welcome. Uh, my name is Tyre Hood. I am one-fourth of the Philly Experience podcast. Uh, myself, Christopher Thacker, um, Max Grazula, and Tanner Gill-Martin. Um, we do a Philly sports podcast where we talk all sports in the city of Philadelphia. Every week we come out with a new episode. We also have some, sub, um, some subsection um, things that we do as well. Um, Max and uh, Tanner in particular, they do what's called the bird's nest, which is the day of reaction a day after the Eagles games. And I personally break down the X's and O's of that game um, during a series called Gridiron Films. All this can be found on Instagram and YouTube. We are also available on all major downloadable platforms. And once again, I'd like to thank you for um, bringing me on, man. I appreciate you hopping on. Thank you, man. So, so you're pretty much like the the Brian Baldinger of the group, you like the you break down the <laughs> essentially yes. A lot of those guys, um, they'll come to me when they say, "Hey T, I don't understand why this happened," and I'll be like, "Okay, well this happened because of why you see this player here. He's in this gap. You know, this is his responsibility. That's why this is really his fault." Oh, cool, cool. So I'm glad I got the the brains of the operation. <laughs> <laughs> So I do want to start off. So when did you become an Eagles fan? Like, what's your earliest memory of the Eagles? Oh, man, I was born and I was born an Eagles fan, man. I was born into the fandom Um, for me personally growing up. um, My grandfather was a Cowboys fan. Uh, It's funny enough. (laughs) (laughs) My grandpa, my grandfather was a Cowboys fan. God rest his soul. Um, You know, and. Having a family just full of Eagles fans, to be honest with you, it, it was hard not to um, just become a fan. You know, it, it was it's the passion. It's the drive, man. And it's it's nothing like I can't imagine being a fan of another team. Exactly. Like I remember, you know, the early 2000s when we were, you know, making the playoffs. But ultimately, we will always come up short. And yeah, exactly. My, I, yeah. And I remember my, I, my mom would always just say. Pick a new team. Pick a new team. Like, <laughs> what do you mean, pick a new team? You can't you can't just hop to a new team. Like once you're in it, nah. you're you're in it. So like, it just nah. I, I just, yeah. I just remember watching it with my dad. We were we were younger, and like I, I started remembering things in about like '96, '97, 
And, mm. you know, 90, 97, 98, and 99 were, like, bad years. And me and my dad would watch the game every mm. single day. And, you know, we would score a touchdown. We would get up. We would high-five. We would jump around. But mm. those, those moments were very few and far between. But once the 2000s happened, we were high-fiving a lot more because, you know, we became a good team. So, it was pretty see, good. I, see, I was spoiled, man, because I grew up in the 2000s watching those 2000 teams. So, I think I've been spoiled by the fact that, right. you know, this generation of Eagles are a whole lot more successful. So I'm fortunate enough to be able to live through that. Um, so when I do see a bad season like we've had um, mm-hmm. in the past couple of seasons, I'm a little I'm a little irritated and frustrated by that. Yeah, I feel you, man. Like, um, so you did not have to sit through the 3-13 1998 season. Mm-mm. Um, so probably I do. The- I do remember though my family, my family was highly upset about that that season, man. I still remember their reaction. And they they were just going belligerent, man. That team was just awful. I mean, Bobby Hoyan, it was just there was nothing. We just lost Ricky Waters to the Seahawks. I mean, we had mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, nothing at all. I mean, Brian Dawkins, we were we were kind of building our defense a little bit, but offensively we had nothing at all. And so the only bad season, judging from like the, the year you're telling me. 2005 mm. and 2012 were the only two seasons you can remember that were actually not up to your standards. So. Um, essentially, actually, you can even go further than that if we want to talk the Chip Kelly era. Oh my goodness, those those last two years of the Chip Kelly era were highly disappointing, especially considering during that time. Um, I was a big Chip Kelly fan. I liked the fact he was coming out of college and he was coming up with something new. At least that was the initial. At least that was the thought initially. All right, then yeah. we all we all know what happened. He ended up getting too big for his head, trading all the superstar players and thinking yeah. he can just get away with his scheme. So that was that was highly disappointing seeing that underperforming team and how much it cost. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to live through a whole four or five years of rebuilding right, to right. even be considered in a conversation anymore of a decent team. But yeah. um, thankfully, I didn't have to. Yeah, it happened really, really fast. I mean, you know, when you draft the, you got a rookie coach, and you got a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, you think it's going to take four or five years, and it only took two. So. Yes. So I'm I'm very fortunate on that on that end. Yeah, it's funny because the Chip Kelly, as bad as it seemed at the end, if you look at the the end of 2013 and mm-hmm. the beginning of 2014, it was like really good from then because. Remember, at the end of 2013, they had a, a stretch where they went seven and one. Yeah. At the beginning of 2014, they went nine and three. So if you look mm-hmm. at that, we were like, we had a stretch where we were like 16 and four. Mm-hmm. But then the end of 2014 was terrible. And then 2015 was terrible. And it just, you know, it was snowballed from there, unfortunately, yeah. man. Yeah, it was bad. But so I do want to get your um, perspective on something. Mm. On a scale from one to 10, how much do you hate the Cowboys? Woo! Does it have to be, does it have to end at 10? <laughs> like, okay. I have a strong, strong disdain for Dallas Cowboys, man. Anything Dallas Cowboys related, man, I, I'm just, I'm heated about it, all right? As a matter of fact, I don't even look at stars the same, all right? <laughs> That's how bad I hate the Dallas Cowboys. As a matter of fact, I hate the color blue, navy blue, all right? Yeah. Anything related to Dallas Cowboys, fandom i hate it as a matter of fact as a person who predominantly spent most of his time in south philadelphia you just man you embrace the cowboys hate man i hate those guys like with a p 
passion. All right. I hate that they're arrogant. I hate that they think that they're better than everyone. And you haven't won a doggone thing since about 94. All right. Come on, man. I'm I'm with you completely. I'm so glad you feel that way because I don't I don't really like the Eagle fans don't embrace the hate for the Cowboys. And I'm just you can't be Eagles fan and not hate the Cowboys. It, I think it's just, I think it's this new generation of Eagles fans, man. They're like, oh, no, let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. No, no, smack them. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely with you on that, man. I, I hate the Cowboys with a passion. I remember one day, my son, we were in Foreman Mills one day. Mm-hmm. He came across like, a Cowboys shirt. And, you know, he's not really a football fan yet. He's only seven years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still trying to get him into football, but it's, it's not working just yet. But he, <laughs> he, saw, he saw a Cowboys shirt. And he's like, oh, I like this shirt. But, you know, he just saw the star. He didn't no. like it to him as a Cowboys. And he's like, oh, I like that. I'm like, Caden, put that back. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, you're, you're like never. Like, you're never, ever going to get a, ever get a shirt like that. And then a couple months later, we went back to the same store. And I saw a shirt. He didn't point it out, but I pointed it out. I said, Caden, what do you think about this shirt right here? He looked at me, and he gave me a thumbs down. And I was just like, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's, so, that's like, good parenting right there, man. That's, that's real exactly. good parenting. Yeah. Every single time I see Cowboys, uh, Cowboys anything, I'm ready to burn it on sight. Yeah, same, man. I, I just – I really hate them. But I do want to say, you know, it's a it's a train wreck over there in Dallas right now. It I'm is. sure you saw the game yesterday, how bad yes. it's been. They might be down to their third string quarterback. So with that being said, I'm assuming you still have the same passion for the Cowboys. So you don't think, oh, because I just don't want fans to, you know, since they're down to their third string, it's mm. really, really bad. I don't want them, I don't want the fans to lose lose the juice. I don't want them to think like, oh, this is just another game. It's still it's still Dallas week to me. So it's still like Dallas week to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's still Dallas week. I still hate the Cowboys. Screw them. But yeah, man, it, it, it doesn't change the fact that you know I don't care who's behind center. To be honest with you, I don't care who's playing. It's still Dallas week. All right, I'm still going to be hyped for it come Sunday night. All right, I'm going to have a pizza and my wings, and I'm going to be ready for a dog fight. Now, here's the thing that I want fans under the sound of my voice to understand. Now, also remember, yes, they are down to their third string quarterback. However. That does not mean this is going to be a runaway game, all right? Yeah. You still have to put into perspective that this team, this Eagles team this year, all right, they're not they're not scoring in bunches, all right. At times, Carson Wentz at times have struggled, and this offense has struggled in the red zone. So you got to take these things into perspective. Got to remember also this defense, although they've been really getting beat up as of lately, they are. Still, they still have a dominant pass rush. All right, they still have the Marcus Lawrence. They still have Everson Griffin. They still have guys that can that can get to the quarterback. So, and that's the one thing, man. Like the Philadelphia Eagles, as we've seen these past couple of games, man, it's been hard to keep Carson Wentz clean in that pocket, man. I mean, Jordan Malata is doing a, a pretty decent job, but with Lane Johnson and his ankle issues, and having basically a turnstile at at that right tackle position, um, they the Dallas Cowboys, I wouldn't be surprised if they take advantage of that. So this game isn't going to be a runaway. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, it looks good on paper. You think, okay, they got blown out by Arizona and Washington. So you would think it will be a blowout. But two things scare me. One thing that scares me is the fact that we don't score like we used to. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have that kind of offense that's built to just put up 30 points. Like, last nope. week, that first half against um the Giants, we should have scored twenty, at least twenty points in that. Easily, There's no way we should have got to halftime with just ten points. There's Easily. no way that should have happened. As good as Carson Wentz was playing, as good as the offense was flowing, 
it just really should have been way better than that. We left so many points on the board. And like you said, with that pass rush, Demarcus Lawrence, you got Randy Gregory, you got Alden Smith, mm-hmm. you got Anderson Griffin. There's so many players over there. And that's what scared me. Like, I'm not really uh, afraid of, like, their pass defense, per se, but I'm, I'm afraid of their pass rush. And I think we could probably run the ball against them because they have good pass rushers, but are they going to play the run as well? And that's the, so, and that's the key. That's the thing with my thing when it comes to this Eagles offense and the coaching. Okay, are they going to run the football? You know, it's one thing, you know, and we say I say it all the time on our show, you know, week after week, you got to run that ball, Doug Peterson. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And in this game, you've got to run that football because if you think it's going to be safe having Carson once drop back 40 plus times in this game, you're going to get him killed. And then we're going to have a real quarterback controversy on our hands when Jalen Hurts comes in the game. You don't want that. Protect your quarterback, all right? And let's get this offensive line into to a groove. As an offensive yeah. as offensive linemen, they don't particularly care for going backwards and pass blocking. What they do like yep. though is road rating, going forward, putting people on their mm-hmm. behinds, man. Like nobody like like come on, man. Let's run this football some. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, like I agree. So, you know, there's two sides to it. I'm thinking, okay. They have to pass the ball because one, our offensive line isn't as good, and two, we don't have the running backs that we particularly thought we would have. Mm-hmm. You know, we got Walter Scott and Corey Clement, and um, I forgot the other guy, Huntley, I think is his name. Yep. But on the other end of it, it's you know, if you ask any offensive lineman, they would rather run the ball eighty times a game easily than, than pass the ball. Like so, you have you do have to run the ball no matter what, even if you don't. And we used to yell at injury for this back in the day. Oh the my goodness! Don't remind me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even if you don't get, like, a lot of yards, you still have to run the ball just to have some kind of balance. Even if you only get two, three, four yards, like, eventually you're going to break one. Correct. And you just have to – you just have you have to run the ball. You just have to. Like, there's no – it's and the box. And that's the thing, man. Like, you got – like you just said, you got to run that football. Even if you just get three yards on first down. Yep. Maybe you get three and a half, maybe four yards on second down. All right, now you're at a third and three, third and fourth situation. That's a whole lot better situation to be in then say being at a third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. Like, it's a whole better situation when you run. And then on top of that, what I've noticed is, I don't know if you've noticed it or not about this year's games, but we've been running a lot of play action. Here's the thing about play action. Play action doesn't work unless that run is respected. Teams don't exactly. respect the Philadelphia Eagles running game. So, as a result, they are going to have go have a beeline to Carson Wentz. All right? They're go, those defensive linemen are going to pin their ears back, and they're going to attack every single time because they know for the most part Doug Peterson is going to call a passing game. So here's the thing. If the Eagles start running a whole lot more zones, zone runs, they start running a whole lot more draw plays up the middle like they've been doing. Like, I don't – like, okay, the the big Miles Sanders run in, in, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, that was, a, that was a draw run on like a third and long play. That play yeah. broke big because they were expecting to go after Carson Wentz. So if you continue to run those plays, even if you do have a Boston spot, a Corey Clement or a Huntley back there, it still makes that defensive line think. And when you make defenses think, that's when you got them. That's making you make those defenses second guess what they're doing. Exactly. You're you're exactly right. That's what you have to do. You have to keep them on their toes. You can't just go back in and expect to just pass the ball all the time and think. Because once – I mean, we know that firsthand because we have a bunch of pass rushers on our defense. Mm -hmm. So we know – once you can put your head down, you get in that wide nine formation, you're going after the quarterback, it's tough when they do a draw, they do a screen pass, or they throw you off. It's like it's so 
annoying when that happens or when the quarterback runs the ball. Yep. That's really annoying too. And that's why I was so scared to play Lamar Jackson because I just, it, it's nothing more it's nothing more demoralizing than playing against a, a a rushing quarterback, even if they're not a running quarterback, just somebody who can run a little bit yes. and you're playing a man to man coverage like third and eleven and everyone's covered and then they just run it for like twelve yards. That is like the most demoralizing thing like ever. I, I hate that like Oh man if you want to bring up the defense one of the more demoralizing things I think is the way we play defense. Now I grew up, we both grew up, man, watching Jim Johnson, okay? Jim Johnson is my idol. As a matter of fact, a lot of people have said that I should go into coaching, and if I do, I'm going to model my defense after Jim Johnson. That's how much inspiration he had on my life and the way he called plays. So when I see what, when the defense puts, a, puts the opposing offense at a third and 10-plus, third and long, and I see that prevent sticks defense, I get yes. so – angry because I'm like now you're giving up cheap yardage cheap yardage that's mm-hmm. unnecessary alright I'd rather them earn that earn those yards beat me over the top I dare you yeah like that's just a I, I that's just such a cheap way to gain up to gain yardage and I just don't understand okay I understand the concept behind it but I don't understand you know I really don't understand why we continue to do it Time after time again, yeah. when there there's times that it works, but then there, the times that it don't, it's demoralizing and it sucks the yeah, air yeah. from the defense. Yes, it um. So what you're saying is, you know, you get the scheme behind it, you get the process, you get the thought process behind it, but to do it every single time, that's when it annoys me too. And yeah, I, I agree. And even if it's like first or second and ten, they play so far off all the time. Like you see the cornerbacks just playing so far. Yes, off, and I'm just. I get like, we don't have the fastest cornerbacks, but you have to trust that they can, you know, you got to get physical at the line. Yes. You can't just give these receivers this easy release off the line. And then, like, it killed us in the Pittsburgh game yes. because they did a lot yeah. of short passes. And people had just been dinking and ducking us to death, like, the whole entire season because our cornerbacks are playing 10, 11 yards off. And it just – it kills me. And that's another thing that kills me with the scheme. It's, it's like you said, we if we're going to have our defensive line, you know, line up in that wide nine formation, according to that formation – is a better angle to get to the quarterback. So if your whole thing is to get to the quarterback in this passing league, then isn't it smart if you put your corners at the line of scrimmage and have them press the right receivers? Because forcing those right receivers to, you know, fight off against a cornerback, that adds an extra one to two seconds that the quarterback has to hold on to that football in order for him to complete that pass because now the right receiver has to work a little bit more to get open. That's my thing. If you keep allowing you know, your corners to play five, seven yards off, and I talk about this all the time on Gridiron Films, like this is just yeah. easy yardage for anybody to pick up. I think me and you can easily throw against this Eagles defense when they keep playing like that. Exactly. It's an easy pitch and catch. I mean, all you had to do was a slant route or a little comeback route. And yep. It's right there because Darius Slay or Jalen Mills or, or Roby Coleman or um who are, like Avante Maddox, they're playing they're they five yards behind mm-hmm. the play. They can't even do anything about it. Like I mean, Jalen Mills is not the fastest guy. He's not even like the but he's physical. So I like like Jalen Mills, besides Carson Wentz, Jalen Mills, this has been like this for four years mm-hmm. now. Jalen Mills is my favorite player on the team. Really? Honestly. Yes, I love. I just love his attitude. I love the way he plays. And I know, again, he gets a lot of PIs when he plays cornerback. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's physical. When he comes up, he's not scared to, like, get in your face. He's not scared to talk trash to you. He's not scared to make the tackle. You see a lot of cornerbacks, 
I mean, we dealt with uh, uh Ronald Darby. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. If you talk about man, that is the prime example of a corner you do not want anybody to model themselves after. But yeah. it's funny that you talk about, you know, your appreciation of Jalen Mills. And I guess I do underappreciate him a lot. My thing with Jalen Mills is this, and I appreciate the aggression. I like the fact that he's not scared to get up in your face. But my goodness, if you're going to talk, actually back it up. My thing with Jalen Mills is, man, you you don't necessarily have the skills to be doing as much talking as you do. Not And on top of that, <laughs> and on top of that, the times when you miss tackles, you miss tackles at the wrong opportune time. Um, as a matter of fact, if my memory serves me correctly, one touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens was scored because Jalen Mills failed to fill his gap, which left one gap wide open. So that being said, man, Jalen Mills has got to do his job, man, and stop, man. Sometimes you got to stop chirping. And the finger wag, the finger wag gets me all the time because the finger wag comes at the wrong times, like when a quarterback overthrows. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what are you finger wagging yeah, for? Yeah. You didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say that's the only time I can be like, all right, Jalen, you got to chill because there, there is a lot of times when you know it's underthrown or it just like barely leaves his fingertips and he didn't really do anything and then he just like yeah, incomplete. But I'm just like right. uh, I don't really know. I I just like his attitude. I really do. I just he just seems to me like a Philly. Oh, guy. definitely. That, that's just why. I no doubt. I'm not so, doubting his attitude. Absolutely. I I love yeah. that. I love his drive. I love the fact that he's not going to give up. But man, you got to have the skills though to back it up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. True. But look, there's there's a reason he was a fifth round draft. Yes. Agreed. Okay. So. So um, let's get to another player who's pretty much jumped on the scene lately, Travis Fulton. What are your thoughts on Travis? Man, Fulton? that kid has come out of nowhere, and I think that's the only reason why Carson is still vertical because he actually has someone reliable to throw to. Travis Fulton came out of nowhere, and it's funny because in that 49ers game, he Carson Wentz throws up that that bomb to Travis Fulton for the touchdown. I'm just like, he threw that perfectly, and like to have that kind of a trust. I need people to understand that, like to have that kind of trust to for a a fifth year quarterback who's struggling to find any type of receiver right now to put his trust in and to put the game on the line and put it in a guy's hands who really is a journeyman up to this point. Man, that that takes some faith. That that means that that kid must have really stood out to that quarterback. And Travis Fulgham has done just that, man. He has done wonders for this offense. And finally, finally, we have a right receiver where I can be like, okay, I know that guy's going to get five-plus catches, 50-plus yards. Finally, I have that guy where I can be like, okay, push come to shove, man. I'm tossing it to this guy. That's my big playmaker. You know, and it's it's just like a a breath of fresh air. (laughs) It really is, man. I remember in the 49ers game, he made the catch and the touchdown, and I'm just sitting there like, who, who is this? I've never thinking that. And then, you know, in the Pittsburgh game, they were struggling early, but then he just started making these great catches. And it wasn't like it wasn't like he was making wide-open catches where he was just – he wasn't catching screen passes and just crossing routes across the middle. He was making, like, tough – like, going up and grabbing yes. the ball. He was taking hits across the middle, knocking them off, and just yes. running. I'm like, okay, this guy's legit right here, so – like this dude, man, this dude is the truth. It is funny. After that first touchdown, when I broke it down um, in that week's Red Iron Films episode, I said, man, I said, this is a star in the making. 
This is a star in the making. And sure enough, sir, he hasn't had me eat my words yet. So keep it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, and I've said this, I don't know who I said this to. I think I said in like a Facebook group or something. I think he's the best wide receiver that we've had since Jeremy Bass. And I, and I know, I know, I know it's like really, really early. And I think that's a compelling argument to make. That really is, man, because we really haven't drafted a decent wide receiver since Jeremy Macklin, if you go back and think about it. I mean, the jury is still out on Jalen Rager, and, you know, only time will tell with that. But for now, I think you're correct with that statement. Yeah, it's – um, yeah, I think J- – that's the thing. People forget about Jalen Rager. Everyone talks about, oh, when we get to show him back in, like before, before mm-hmm. he came back. And oh, we get Alshon Jeffrey back, but um, but why is everybody forgetting about this young kid Rager who who actually had a few catches before he got hurt? He had a fifty-five yard catch in the, the first game. He had a couple catches in the the Rams game. So I just feel like people. I hope they're not forgetting about him because this guy's going to be keep... legit. But this Travis Hogan kid, I just think the the speed is there, the size is there, the mentality is there. He he's not cocky. I I just really see a great wide receiver, and he's the he's the first guy in a while. That when when we go in the field, I'm looking. Okay, where where's Fogum at? Where, where's he at? Where 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 is he at? And I have to say, okay, give him the ball. Even like I was actually getting mm. mad. Like Richard Rodgers had a really good game. He on did. Thursday. This is going to sound crazy, but I was actually getting mad with every catch that he was getting because I'm just like, no, it's a. I can't <laughs> look, man. If Carson has a target to throw to, I don't care who it is at this point. Just get the ball out your hands, Carson, yeah. man. Like. I just need him to get that ball out of his hand so he's not taking so many hits, man. Yeah, he's been taking a lot. He has, and it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I just don't – at this rate, I don't see a scenario where he can survive to the end of the season. I just don't. With the amount of hits that he's taking – and, you know, some of them are on the offensive linemen, but then there's those that's completely on him. All right, as a fifth-year quarterback at this point in your career, you cannot continue to hold on to the football, all right? If you don't see anything, you know your offensive line ain't really blocking for you, throw the ball away. Stop holding on to that ball. Stop trying to be a playmaker. There's time to be a playmaker, and there's times that you just need to just put it away. Just let it go. And one of, and a lot of those times, you just need to throw the ball away and live to see another down. Stop, man, holding on to that football for crying out loud. I, I agree. I think that – and once he was starting to play, like, really, really good, he played really well in the first he half did. of the Giants game. And he played really well in the first half. Then the third quarter was kind of off. But then, like, right at the end of the fourth quarter, he played better. But that interception that he threw was the – that was probably, like – one of the worst passes that he's ever had. As a matter of fact, that in that series, towards the end of that series, like he's just doing dumb stuff that I expect out of a rookie like Jalen Hurts to do. Like, why are you running around with the ball in your hands? Throw the ball away. And for praying out loud, and I'm going to break this down this week. Listen, why? As listen, if anybody listens to this as aspiring to be a quarterback, do not do those three things <laughs> that Carson Wentz did in that Thursday game. You do not run around with the ball in your hands, okay? You do not throw 30 yards across your body to the other side of the field to a right receiver, all right? And please, for the love of God, (laughs) watch who you're throwing to, all right? Pay attention to the personnel out there for crying out loud. Jeez. Yeah. The pass across the field, that was terrible because 
the only way I could that's a tough call. That's a tough pass to make in any yes. any circumstance. But the only way I can see you making it is if he's like wide open and there's nobody over there. But if there's defenders over there, you do not make that pass. Just throw the ball away. No. It's not worth it. Like just throw it away. I don't care. Like, man, come on, Carson. You you gotta be back. And you know what, man? I've been very critical of Carson Wentz this entire season. I have, man. And I've been a big Wentz backer. As a matter of fact, I get flack for it all the time with my guys. They remind me all the time how much I, you know, defended Wentz in the past. This year, the, from what I've been seeing, I can't defend him no more. I, I just don't have the energy to defend a fifth-year quarterback doing some of the things that he's been doing. And eventually, we have to come to a point as Eagles fans. We have to be realistic and just get to a point where we have to say, when are the excuses going to stop for Carson Wentz? No offensive line, no wide receivers. I don't want to hear that stuff anymore. All right, you're a fifth-year quarterback. I expect you to lead this team regardless of the situation. If you know that you don't have an offensive line, get that ball out quickly. Don't hold on to the football, all right? And on top of that, I expect you to be a better decision-maker with that football. Stop. Stop just Stop just throwing. Stop. Stop just thinking you can just thread the needle every single time to the smallest, tightest spot. You cannot do that anymore. You're old enough now that you should know better. Yeah, I, I agree. He's made some um, – I think the first – he played well in the first game, mm-hmm. the first half, but then after that he played terrible. And the Rams game, he wasn't good. Uh, the Bengals game, he was good for some of it. Um, the, the end of the Ravens game – the actually, yeah, you remember the, the first half of the Ravens game was the worst half yes. of football that we've yes. seen in a while. And the Niners game, he was okay. I mean, he's had some moments like at, at one point, his they were terrible, though. I mean, if you look, I think his, at one point, his, his rating was like 40 something. He was the worst crazy. quarterback in the NFL at one point in time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's been better lately. So, um, and actually, I was going to ask you that. I'm kind of glad you you kind of led me to that question. I was going to ask you how you think Carson Wentz has played, but I think he's <laughs> right now, right, right now, it's <laughs> average, man. Like I got, it's still more that I want to see out of him. Like I, I still need to see that your your decision making is getting is better, and that you know you're not getting happy feet in that pocket. And I need you to go back to the mechanics that led you to be an MVP candidate back in 2017. I'm not seeing those same movements from the pocket. I'm not seeing that same pocket awareness that you had in that 2017 season. And the more you get away from that, the more I think to myself, well, man, 2017 must have been a real mirage. And that's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, that that really is disappointing. I, I always say this, too. It's so hard for me to watch the 2017 season because when I watch those highlights, I'm just like, mm-hmm. what happened to that team right there? Like, geez, what happened to that Carson Wentz? I was watching the Rams game the uh, other day, mm-hmm. like, the, the game he got hurt. But before he got hurt, he was yep. having a great game. He was – every pass was on point. He was throwing to Trey Burton. He was throwing passes to uh, Brent Selly. Even the play where he was hurt, yes. he threw the touchdown to Jeffrey. Like, that was crazy. This man threw a touchdown on a torn yes. ACL on a fourth down. Like, we don't even have that same – I don't have that same confidence anymore. When we go for it on, on fourth down, like back then, if it was fourth and two, it could have been fourth and anything. I was like, oh, we're mm-hmm. going to get this. Like, no problem. I, I don't have that confidence anymore. It could be fourth and one, and we can't even get a quarterback sneak anymore. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle to get a half a yard these and days. I, like, and I also crazy. don't think, not to make excuses for Carson, but, you know, I also don't think that this coaching staff has really helped him out, unfortunately, with some of those things because, you know, I think about – 
you know, some of the play calls in certain situations. Like, I think there was like a, a fourth and two, fourth and three in that Giants game. And no, it was a third and two. And they called like a quarterback sneak. And I'm just like going, I'm like, he's two yards away from the from the line of, from the line of game. Like, right. what is wrong with you? Why are you calling a quarterback sneak? Oh, and don't get me started with the fact that you call a fade route in the red zone to a Hakeem Butler oh who God. hasn't called a dog on pass yet. Are you kidding me? Why would you not put Travis Fulgham in that situation who has been reliable in jump ball situations, who has been tough at the point of attack? All right. Why wouldn't you put even a Richard Rodgers in that situation? Why would you put somebody who's, who doesn't have any NFL experience in that position? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you one thing. This has been a pet peeve of mine for like forever. I'm really not a fan of fade routes, and I'm really not a fan of mm. fade routes on fourth down. Fade routes to me are like really 50 50. And on a fourth down, you just can't really afford that. You have to like be yeah. sure where you're going with the ball because, like, I don't first and second down, you want to try a fade route real quick. You got like a you got a Fogum, you got an Odell Beckham, you got a, a Calvin Johnson, you got somebody like that, like, sure. But I'm just not a fan of, especially on a fourth down, especially to some guy like you said, like Butler, who, like, exactly, who, like, who is this dude? So it's just. And another thing that Doug did, a decision that really backfired also, was the, when he went for an unfortunate goal from the three-yard line. And to me, I'm just like, you have to take the field goal there because you're three yards away. Like, there's no and guarantee that... you're going to get that. Like, if you're at the one, like, sure. You have to win in the half, sure. But, like, three yards, that's just too far. And we don't have – again, if this is 2017, sure. We don't have that offense yep. anymore that's that confident. Just, you better take any points you can get while you're down there. There was another game, I believe. Mm. I want to say the Ravens game, right before the mm. half. And they were down 17 and nothing. And they went for it. They didn't get it. And I'm just like, you have to take the points there. We we just got even close to the red zone. You have to take yep. any points you can get right before the halftime. Like so there was no reason for him to go for it or go it's, for it. It's there. really annoying, you know, the play calling and just like the coaching and this year overall. Um, it's 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 frustrating because if we can see it as casual fans sitting from our couches, why isn't the coaching staff picking up on some of these things? And that 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 for me is the most yeah. frustrating part. Like even though yes, I break down X's and O's and I kind of sort of know what I'm talking about. At the end of the day, I'm still a fan, and they're still going to know more football, all right, than I'll ever know. So it infuriates yeah. me when common sense things aren't so common <laughs> and it just it and it, it's just I like agree, you know definitely. why <laughs> why what what was going through your mind on some of these decisions like even <laughs> even in the Giants game in the two-point conversion you got Jalen Hurts out there at quarterback on this funky behind formation and I'm like yeah. dude I know what the heck is going to happen. You're going to run with Jalen Hurts. You're not fooling anyone. You're not fooling a soul. And that's another thing, man. If you're going to use Jalen Hurts on certain situa- in certain situations in the game, have him throw the ball a couple times. We, we, yeah, as, I was just thinking as, that too, As yeah. fans, we know when we see Jalen Hurts, for the most part, you're going to run with him or you're going to call a zone replay. Come on, man. Like I've seen one pass from Jalen Hurst this season. I believe it was to Richard Rodgers. It was actually a pretty good pass. Like, the the kid can throw. 
I mean, look at his career at Oklahoma and Alabama. The kid can throw. Let him throw the ball some. At least, yeah, I agree. I I think that was the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. game. It was an eighteen yard pass. But um, I agree. Every time you bring him in, I mean, look at what the Saints do with Taysom Hill. They don't bring him in just to run. Like they bring him in. Sometimes they have Drew Brees out as a wide receiver. Who knows? They might throw to him and throw it back to Taysom Hill. That I will say that one play they did. They that, did um, in the Ravens game when they came out. Yes, and Jalen Hurts got it. He threw it to Wentz, and then he threw it back to uh, Hurts. So that that was good. But you got to do more of that. You can't just come out and just expect to do the read option. It's going to, you're going exactly. to get 20 yards every single time. Like Teams know by this point. Like The first time you went out there, you probably didn't know what's coming. You, you, you didn't know. But at this point, mm-hmm. these teams, they watch film too. So, like, they see Jalen Hurts out there. They, okay, yep. we, we're already And at this out. point, man, now you've become predictable again. So what are you going to do? Man, you better figure something out to validate this second-round pick because I'm still infuriated by that. To be, to be honest with you. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna, yeah. I mean, it's, no, 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 no. It's a terrible pick. I mean, you can never really have. You won't have too many good quarter. You can't really have too many good quarterbacks. But if you're gonna use a first or a second round pick on a quarterback, he. Oh no, no, no! I'm not saying it was a terrible pick. I think the kid is. I think the kid is a special kid. Like I said, he had a heck of a career at Oklahoma yeah. and then at Alabama. I'm definitely not doubting that. My thing is this though. Like, you had other position of needs that are cropping up now. Like, the one thing that for some reason or another, this team has neglected, all right, linebacker. linebacker. You need a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm, seeing, yeah, I'm seeing Chin, you know, sound like if being in a runner for defensive rookie of the year. You got Patrick Queen down in, down in Baltimore, you know, tearing the thing up. Like yep. these linebackers, you need a linebacker. Why? Why is this position so ignored and neglected, and especially in this wide nine scheme? Where if you're going to have your defensive lineman rush up the field and attack the quarterback, you're going to need linebackers that know how to shed off those linemen and pick up in the run, especially in passing situations, which has really been our Achilles' seal. We can't stop a tight end. Yeah, we can't stop a tight end to save like, life. It, oh my god, it's ridiculous, man. That came, yeah, that came to fruition. And the the Ram the Ram game is, I think, the game we really knew. Like, we mm-hmm. cannot stop any tight ends at all. Like, like just think if we had to go against like our team. I mean, you know, with the Hurts, the Goddards, the Richard like we would get like smoked get easily. Man, yeah. it's it's and it's saddening as as I'm I'm a defensive guy. All right, I, I love defense. As a matter of fact. When I played when I played in high school, I played Thank on the you. defensive line. So I take certain pride in every position on defense. I know the value of every position on defense. So when I see a, a yep. position that's being neglected and ignored, it infuriates me because you cannot ignore. Like I'm not saying that you need, you know, in this four three scheme, you don't need all three linebackers to be all pro. If you have one. One solid linebacker, it it, it creates, man, it, it just – it betters that defense tremendously. Remember when we had – like, even when we had Jordan Hicks, yeah, even though he was injured often, all right, he always made sure that that defense was lined up correctly since the time he was drafted here. And now he's in Arizona, and we miss him because we have no linebackers at this point, none whatsoever. Yeah, we um 
we went through a lot of middle linebackers mm-hmm. over the years, if you think about it. I mean, I'm thinking about Stuart mm-hmm. Francis. Oh, gosh, Casey. Casey Matthews. I'm thinking D'Amico Ryan. Oh, God, Casey. Yeah. Like, why do we have to get stuck with like, – Yeah, I was disappointed in that one, boy. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, and you're absolutely correct. And a regular team shouldn't have to go through, you know, this rotation of – new middle linebackers every three to five years. That's not healthy for a defense. You need, you know, that middle that middle linebacker, he's basically the quarterback of the defense. You know, he he's got the microphone in his helmet. You know, he gets the plays in. He he you know he yep. sees the formations. He makes the shifts or he makes sure everything is communicated from you know the defensive lineman to the secondary. You know, that's very important. That's a very important position. And it's something that we've just overlooked and neglected. Now I don't know if that's on Doug or if that's on Howie, but either way, it's something that needs to be addressed and fixed immediately. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that's more on Howie. I don't really think Doug has any input on the roster at all. Like, just Honestly, think, yeah, I'm leaning towards that. Just thinking about the press conference um, from the end of last season where he said his wide receivers coach and his quarterbacks coach was going to stay, and turns out, I think it was only like two, three days later, they were fired. So, <laughs> yep, they were gone exactly. Like so, like, so I don't, I don't think he. I think he's just the head coach. But I mean, he does the stuff on the field. But I think when it comes to the roster, and that's actually why going back to the Chip Kelly thing, I used to think when they, mm-hmm. when they made him the GM and they gave him full control, I thought it was a good idea at the time because I'm thinking, okay, who who knows better who can fit this scheme better than a person that's actually came up with this scheme and is actually coaching the players because now you have no excuses. You can't say, oh, I didn't pick these players. Like, you pick these players. So if you're bad, you don't That was my thought process, man. That was honestly my thought process, and that's the reason why I felt so good about it. You know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, Chip just came from college, so I know he has to know most of these guys coming out. And, you know, this is his scheme, like you said. So he knows what players will work best in it. So, you know, hey, give it a shot. I'm going to let him do it. Unfortunately, he ended up Screw it up, this uh, this franchise, unfortunately. But, you know, luckily we were able to recover. But these past draft classes, you know, in, within the last couple of years, they've just been questionable. They've been horrible. And it's just – it's a problem because now you're in a situation where we're in currently now where you have to go into free agency. You have to overpay for aged players – to to make up for your roster. Now yep. those age players aren't as good as they were when they were first drafted. All right. Then on top of that, they're already they're already mm-hmm. developed and they're already played the game a certain way for so many years. It's different when you draft that player. You develop that player in your own system. You develop the player the way you want him to be developed. And then when he goes out to on that field and he executes in that system to perfection, it's because you brought him into that system. You, you, you formed him into what you wanted him to be, not taking somebody from, from yeah. another, from another mold. And now you have to mold him into something differently, something that he's been doing different, something that he's been doing the same for four to five years prior, uh, prior to it's just, it's frustrating. You, this drafting has got to be fixed. It's it's it. It's a major yeah, it, Achilles it's, it's heel, and it's the reason why we are in this position that we are in now, and it is because of drafting and drafting position. All right, 
first round. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Because you, um, first round, I'm thinking about ahead, last year's um draft. Not this, not this, uh, not not this year's draft class, but the year prior. I'm thinking about Andre Dillard. Okay, yes, you yeah. need to draft a left tackle for the future. But where is he at? He's on injury reserve, and now it looks like you know Jordan Malata has that future left tackle spot. So now that looks like a bad draft pick. All right, and then you go ahead and you draft J.J. Arthega Whiteside. All right, ahead of DK Metcalf, who's been lighting it up since he's came into the league. That's frustrating to me. All right. Now, for this year, I don't have a problem with Jalen Rager. I've already said my piece about Jalen Hurts. But then in the third round, you draft Davion Teller, a linebacker, finally. But the thing is, he's only played linebacker for two years, so he's still raw. My personal, and this is just me personally, how I would build a team. Those first three rounds are precious to me because those three rounds are, are where I'm going to build my found, build the foundation of my team. Those first three rounds should be bare minimum starters. First round, I need a solid all pro. I, no excuses. My first round yeah. draft pick needs to be a solid all pro. My second and third round at, at bare minimum need to be a solid starter that I can rely on week in and week out. And the fourth through seventh rounds, if I happen to hit on a guy, I happen to hit on a guy. Really, it's a crapshoot at that point. So I'll get luck. You know, if I'm lucky, I might Pretty find much. a diamond in the rough. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, those guys make up, you know, the backups and the special teams guys, which I don't have a problem with. But those first three rounds is where we have failed miserably in these past yeah. years. And that's got to be addressed. And that falls square on Howie. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, it's funny because Howie, I mean, he used to draft good. I mean, if you look at the, the 2012 draft was pretty good. The 2013 draft was pretty good. But uh, I'm trying to think. But, I mean, ever since then, it's really – these last couple of years, we really haven't drafted well at all. Every player that we got, even if you think about mm-hmm. this year, we got John – we drafted John Hightower, which, you know, he, he has a couple of big catches this year. But do you think about Travis yeah. Hogan, which is the guy that just – they got lucky on. I mean, they didn't draft this guy, so they just kind of – I mean, I, I guess you can give him a little credit for actually – like going out and doing your due diligence and, and mm-hmm. picking them up off. Of, oh, how he does good when it comes to free agency and trades, but his Achilles heel has been drafting. And it's, it's something that, you know, you have to be good at, even if you got to hire a guy from the outside to help you out with that, listen to that guy, take his advice. Like if you know your weaknesses and you, and you address those weaknesses, then this team can be better. You know that your weakness is drafting, so address it. Yeah, you should. Yeah, but so me, but you know, people are very, you know, people are very stubborn, and then no, I got this. I got like just no, let somebody else do it. Like just you don't have to do everything. It's just like the owners. The owners they own the Mm -hmm. team and they hire other people to do the job for them, and that's why I think the Cowboys are really bad because Jerry Jones wants to do everything. Like instead of trying to instead of trying to delegate, but you want. He wants to do everything. And what I was going to say was, like, you know, an NBA draft is different. Mm-hmm. Those first couple of picks are, like, really good players. But once you get to the mid-round, late right. round, it's, it's pretty much, like you said, in the late rounds of the NFL draft. It's a crapshoot. You don't mm-hmm. have that excuse in the mm-hmm. NFL. There are a lot of good players in those first couple rounds. You don't have to have a mm-hmm. top five pick to get a, a, a superstar player. You can get a you can get a superstar player in the late. You can win the Super Bowl. Yep, the Chiefs did. And yep. They still got a great uh, running back. So. That's all I'm saying. Man. That's all I'm saying, man. This drafting has got to improve. There's a lot of things on this team has got to improve. Um, development of players and the drafting of players. Those two main things are the reason why 
you know, in all honesty, the Eagles really should be dominating this division. But that's the but those two things are the things that's holding them back yeah. from being basically the New England Patriots of the NFC East. Pretty much. I mean, we should win this division and actually it's actually going to get us to our next our next topic. So if they so what, what would make you happy as a fan this year? So if they win a division, let's say with um I don't know, a seven, eight, one record, would would you be okay with that? Absolutely or? not. I would not be happy with that because I expect it better. I expect better. I expect to be above five hundred. I expect to be competitive. I expect to beat the elite teams. Okay. I might not be able to beat all of them, every single last one of them, but I expect to beat a hand few of them. And if I can't do that, then I'm only as good as uh, the leader in my division. And that's it. So I'm not going to go far into the playoffs. And that, and as a result of me not going far into the playoffs, I'm still not accomplishing the main goal of winning a Super Bowl. So with that being said, it would be a failure to me. And I'm, I would be, I would still be disappointed. Even if we made the playoffs with that kind of a record, I would be highly disappointed because I still expected more. Yeah. So I mm. kind of agree, but I'm going, I'm going to play devil's advocate. So. I just feel like you have to make the playoffs because, one, it should be ours to win. But looking at our schedule is really tough. But if we can get through it and still make the playoffs with a losing record, I'm okay with that because all these young guys, it's good for playoff experience. Remember, Carson Wentz hasn't finished a playoff game yet. So for him to even get some kind of playoff experience is good. And once you get to that first round, that wild card game, maybe you draw a team that you are you match up well against. Who knows? Maybe you pull an Arizona. Maybe you pull a, a I don't know, a, a Carolina or a New Orleans or something. So – you never know what you can get. I mean, I'm not saying we're absolutely not this year. No, nope. there's no way that's happening. I mean, I can put my life on that, but I just feel like when, while Carson Wentz is here, you ha- he's in his fifth year and he hasn't played a playoff game yet. You have to get this guy a playoff game, and I just think that the yeah, experience yeah. will be good for him. And that's the only reason I would say I'll be okay with that. But I'm looking at our schedule right now. I mean, after Dallas and the Giants, we got Cleveland, Seattle, that's a Green tough. Bay, and New Orleans, yes. and Arizona. That, that is a tough fine. schedule, man. Yeah. And like you said, it. I don't, man. Look, I, I just don't. Okay, this division is sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just period point blank. This division is yeah, sorry. I seen a scenario <laughs> the other day on Facebook that said that this division could be won by a team with four wins. I seen that scenario, and I'm just sitting here going, "Oh dear oh, God, sorry. you need to tell me that somebody from this sorry behind division." can actually get to the playoffs, not only get to the playoffs, but host a playoff game? Are you kidding me right now? That's sorry. Yeah. yeah. But you know what it, you know what it is, man. You gotta I know people want to say, oh, we should do the percentages and we should get rid of division winners, but I don't mm-hmm. agree with that because I'm a traditionalist. The point of winning is is a different there's levels to it. You win your division then you try to get, you know, a first-round bye. Then you try to get home for the advantage. But first and foremost, you have to win your division. If you can win the division, if it's in a down year, then so be it. But just win the division. And if we get to a, with a four-win team, then that's the only time I would say, yeah, I would <laughs> definitely be disappointed by that. But I don't yeah, really I, care how we do I it. Can, I can – okay. In terms of changing, you know, the playoff structure to winning percentage, I do agree that it should be a division winner from each division. I can agree with you on that one. Um, I think the only time those percentages and things of that nature should fall into 
into the ca- a category of being considered is if you know there's a tiebreaker. So with all that being said, I'm still going to be disappointed yeah. either way because I know because at the end of the day, I know the truth. <laughs> I know this team isn't good enough. This team shouldn't be in the playoffs. And and quite frankly, I would also match this team up against you know a, a, another team in another division. Like we wouldn't survive in the AFC North. We would not. As a matter of fact, we'd be ripping this team to shreds in the city. Yeah. Of, you know exactly what how we would be reacting. All right, there'll be there'll be lampposts on fire. All right, sure. there will be <laughs> there will be angry mobs on Broad Street up and down. All right, let's be honest here. This. Yeah. Yeah. And watching that game last night, too, the NFC West, man, I think whoever comes out of that division might be the Super Bowl representative because that division is tough. And Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at it like all four of those teams are good. And San Fran got blew out by Miami a couple weeks ago. And then they won two games in a row. And then they just they destroyed New England yesterday. I knew New England isn't the same New England from years past, but. The way they look yesterday, I, yeah, I'm scared of them too. So it's just you thought they was the worst team in the division, and the Rams, maybe they for real, maybe they're not. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule. Their four wins are against all NFC East opponents. So we'll see how real they are tonight. Mm-hmm. If they can beat the Bears tonight, then I'd be impressed. But I, it I is. don't really that NFC West is tough, man. And it's crazy because looking at the history yep. of the NFC West, everybody has had a chance to eat. Like, I mean, if you look at like the 49ers were like the, the team, they were that team. I think 2011 to 2013, and then Seahawks were good. Yes, and then the Seahawks yep. were good from like 2012 to well now. Uh, even the the Cardinals, they had a run. I think 20. You remember the two? You remember the 2008 season, and we went up against the them um, in the um, conference finals. we should have won that game. We were down like I think 24 to six, and we came back, and I'm thinking, oh. We're going to the Super Bowl again. Man, I'm disappointed in that season, too. (laughs) But it's like you were saying, man. Yeah. That was was tough, man. But um, but even the Rams, like when 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 Sean McVay got there, they were good. So, And I remember when we used to have a division like that, the NFC East was, I mean, you look back in the early 90s. I mean, from 90, the Giants won the Super Bowl. 91, the Redskins won the Super Bowl. And then 92 and 93, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. And as much as I, as much as that pains me to say, I mean, we had three teams from the division win the Super Bowl in like a four-year stretch. So it's it's crazy when you think about how yeah. good the division used to be. And you look it at is. What it it's, is it's frustrating. It's, it's disappointing. Right Especially growing up, you know, the NFC East was always a competitive division because for the most part, you know, it was always a three-headed race, you know, between the, the Birds, the Cowboys, and the Giants, you know. And then, you know, towards, you know, towards that 09, yep. 2010, you know, 2011, then – you know, the football team started, started, you know, making some grounds. So they started poking their head up in there. But for the most part, you know, there hasn't been a repeat, you know, division winner from this division for a long time now. And that just shows you how competitive this division is. But unfortunately, as we've seen, you know, this division is just not as good as it used to be. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just think as far as us having the best, we have the best quarterback. In the I division, can agree with like that right now with that Prescott hurt. I mean, you can toss that up. Yeah, and um, I would like to say we got the best coach. Questionable. Doug Peterson's decision this year has been question questionable at best. Yeah, so 
I mean, the worst call to me, it's just his decisions this year haven't been good. They haven't they haven't really worked out. It just seems like everything he was doing in years past was working. Like, but now he just doesn't really know when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive. And I think that goes back to, to his years um, being with Frank Reich. I think Frank Reich had a lot of a lot of say so and a lot of um, uh, he had a, a huge influence on that offensive room. And you know, in this year, the difference is is that Doug doesn't have an offensive coordinator. So he's the head coach and he's the offensive coordinator. So that's extra pressure on you. All right, now the entire offensive game falls squarely on your shoulders. So you better know what you're doing. There's only a handful coaches that really become successful, you know, with that kind of a, you know, that kind of a system. And, you know, so far, Doug has been very questionable. I'm sorry. I think he still needs like that extra voice to tell him, you know, hey, Doug, I think you should run this play instead of the play you just called. Or, hey, I think you should do this. You know, hey, Doug, you're passing too much. I think you need to, you know, run the football a little bit more. So, you know, I think I still think he needs like an extra ear, you know, extra, you know, person in his ear to tell him, you know, hey, think about this. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I think I, I didn't really realize how big of a deal Frank Reich was. But that 2018 season, when we saw how much we struggled, we're just really sitting there like, did Frank Frank really make that much of a difference? I mean, I, I and uh, John Filippo was, was the uh, quarterback coach. Was, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. I just yeah. Doug's decisions this year, his play calling has been a little little shoddy. Just too much passing. I mean, I get that he comes from the he comes from the Andy Reid school of coaching, so he just wants to pass, pass, pass. But when you got an offensive line like you have, you don't have Lane Johnson and. You don't have prime Jason Peters anymore. You don't have Brandon Brooks. Like you look in our offensive line right now. It's, you don't even know. Like the left guard. <laughs> like, I think I forgot what his name even is. Number sixty-eight, not fifty-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70, 78. I think it's number seventy-eight. Yeah, and like even the last game, you're just looking around and yes. I'm like you. I take pride in knowing the, all of the players on the team. I pay attention to everything. There's been times. There's been the fact that the year, fact that I, we're I, doing I, this like, and we're bringing up certain numbers and we can't bring up their names, say something. <laughs> right, like, right. It's just, it's crazy now. It's just you know I used to be able to even a special teams guy. They'd be like, oh, number this person. They'd be like, who's that? I'd be like, oh yeah, I know who that is. He went to this college. He's it, in the it, second year. Exactly. He's this he he weighs this much. I would know all that stuff. No, because man, you don't know who's going to play on any given Sunday much. anymore, man. The rotation, man, and these injuries and it's just like it, it, what is this medical staff doing that yeah you know what's funny remember in 2013 when chip mm-hmm. kelly was here with that whole like sports science and all the, the smoothies and stuff hardly and any injuries. we, did, we yep. have no injuries for like two years and, yes and i just feel like we all of that good karma that we had back then we use it all up because ever, ever since 20 18 really we've had injuries galore. I don't, Kelly, I don't know what Chip Kelly I don't know I don't know what Chip Kelly did to keep those guys on the field but we need to go back to doing exactly what he did. Even if it's even if it's practicing the way Chip Kelly had them practice right. Right? just do it because it seemed to have been working. So like I, it, exactly. he had to be doing something right. Mhm. Yep. Cuz I mean look, it might have ended badly but everyone was healthy. It was not it's just, you know, every year, because you you know you have them years every right, once in a while right. where you're like, 
okay, we have like crazy injuries. This is just a while, but it's been every it's been three years in a row. Exactly, we it's too much, man. It, it, it should not happen this many times in a row. Like this is absolutely ridiculous. How many star players that we have lost over these past three seasons? It's some, something. It's something in the water and in, in the Delaware River, or like, man, what are y'all giving these guys? You know, are yep. you know how's the conditioning? You know, like, like, are these guys doing what they're supposed to do to keep their bodies in shape? Like, I, I need some answers. Yeah, same. I um, I remember mm-hmm. in 2018, it was the, the secondary yep. that got obliterated. Like, everyone except for Malcolm Jenkins got hurt. Last year, it was the, it was the receivers and the running backs, and we have no – actually, no, it wasn't the running backs, but it was the receivers. And then this year, it's just the offensive line has been hit the, hit the most. And the defense was really pretty healthy. Like, besides Malik Jackson, everyone on the defense is pretty, you know, pretty healthy yep. over there. Yep. The offense it, got, it's, it's just so hard. It's, it's hard to get into a rhythm as an offense when you do have those players that's going in and out, and then you have to develop chemistry you know, with those new players and they have, you got to make sure that they know the cadences, you know, they know the play calls, they know what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be positioned on any given play. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, not to make excuses for this team, but it is a lot to overcome. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, with the offensive line, it's all about continuity. Like if you have five like Mm -hmm. players playing together, a whole entire season, they're going to be a good line. You don't even have to have the best players on the line. And I think the Cincinnati game and the San Fran game, I think those two games we had the same offensive line for two games in a row. And you saw the improvement was getting there, but then injuries start happening again. And, and I will say, like, kudos to Lane Johnson because he's, he's not the guy that's just like, oh, I got, I got this injury, I'm going to sit out. Lane Johnson was trying to play that, that Giants game. He was – he was. He you could tell like he was really trying. And I and I appreciate him for it. Trust me, I do. I I truly so, appreciate yeah. him for it. Yeah. Yeah. You got guys yeah. like um Alshon Jeffrey. I I, uh, I know Liz Frank's injuries. Here, I know they're hard to yeah, come back so from. Just... But this is getting. The thing that irritates me at this point with Alshon Jeffrey is he hasn't been the same since that drop in that Saints game, and it's like I, I see the decline in him. Yeah. And I, I just don't think the desire is there for him to be with this team anymore. And then it was all, and then it was also confirmed that you know he was the source behind yeah. the Delcina Anderson um, rumor. And like, it, it's yeah. a shame because we can't get rid of him because you know he's on the injury, he's on the injured list. So we can't get rid of him. We can't release him. We can't trade him. So we just have to suck it up until he eventually gets healthy. And then I guess when eventually he gets healthy. You know how I was going to find a way to deal him, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But like, yeah, he and I saw a lot of people earlier this season saying, "Oh, you're gonna get Alshon Jeffrey back." And I'm thinking, like, did you watch him no. last year? Like, he, he first of all, he he was never like that fast. Yes, but the, speed, the little bit of speed that he did have, he lost that too. He was dropping back exactly. Like, that was like exactly. what his thing was. He was a short-handed person. He can go up and get the ball. So he's a he's a really good possession receiver, a really good 50-50 ball receiver. And it's the same thing with Des Bryant. Des Bryant was the same way. The difference was Des Bryant, I think, had a little bit more speed to him. But once Des Bryant, you know, he lost that speed a little bit, you know, he he wasn't the same. He wasn't as effective. Those injuries started catching up to him. And you saw the same thing with Alshon. Yep, and once people mm-hmm. realized that yep. Des Bryant only ran like nope. three routes, real quick. I wish somebody would have told Bradley Fletcher what his routes were. 
Jeez Louise. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's funny. So, back in 2013, people used to kill uh, Bradley Fletcher and Kerry Williams. And I didn't right. really mind Kerry Williams because, again, he was the mold of Jalen Mills. He was really physical. He wasn't scared to, Ooh, you know, get man. in your face and talk a little trash. But Bradley Fletcher was just terrible. Oh, man. my I, goodness. I have never seen a corner guy. so out of position in a day in my life, man. That was that was hard to look at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that really was. You really didn't know because, and, and I remember it was one game we played the Bears, and we're just like, "Oh my god!" Like, yes, uh, I was trying, and um, and Brandon Marshall were going to destroy us, but then we actually went out and blew them out. So Man, I, I don't, I don't know what we did that game. Yeah, but the, the difference happened. was back then we valued our linebackers. <laughs> yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah. Um. All right. So I'm gonna get to one last thing before I let you go. So. A lot of people, you know, make a lot about. <laughs> oh, they should have let. They shouldn't have let Nick Foles go. They should have kept Carson. They couldn't have kept Carson Wentz. Nick Foles was the Super Bowl MVP. How stupid do you have to be to get rid of the Super Bowl MVP? Where do you stand on the whole Foles versus? Carson? I you knew this question was going to come up eventually. Uh, so I'm on record with my boys as um, saying that I'm not the biggest Nick Foles fan. Now I will say this. Before there was Carson Wentz, you know, during the Chip Kelly era, Nick Foles was my guy. All right. You couldn't tell me anything negative about Nick Foles. All right. I, I you know I used to tell people left and right, you know, the only thing Nick Foles needs yeah. is a solid defense, some good weapons around him. Let's develop him. You know, we can go places with Nick Foles. You know, and, you know, we all know what happened. Nick Foles got traded away yep. for that bum of a quarterback in Sam Bradford. And the rest, and he ended up coming back to the Philadelphia Eagles, and the rest is history. And, and now he's the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. So, to answer your question, I'm not a Nick Foles guy. Yeah. I'm not. And my my opinion on Nick Foles is the fact that I think during that 2017 season, I'm not taking anything away from him. It was a heck of a run. All right, I've never seen anything like that. A team to rally around their backup quarterback yeah. like that. I've never seen anything like that in my life. All right. So all that being said, I think Nick Foles was the product of that success because he went on to Jacksonville. He did not have the same success. All right. He had a pretty decent team down there. All right. The defense was still the Jag- that Jaguars defense, and he had a couple weapons around him still, but he wasn't as successful. Now he's with now he's with Chicago. Now he's with you know yeah. a, a coordinator that puts him in position for wins, and he still and he has weapons around him. And that Bears defense is still a very respectable defense. Don't ever get that twisted. So he once again he finds himself in another opportunity really position, yeah. and it also helps that you have Mitchell Trubisky out there who was the starter. So all that being said, um, I'm not saying Nick Foles isn't a good quarterback. I think he is a good quarterback. I think he should start um, somewhere in the NFL. However, um, I'm not going to say I'm a Wentz dude either because I've been just, I've been just railing on him this season, but I'm still not that big of a Nick (laughs) Foles guy. I still think the right decision was made back then between Wentz and Foles. You got to go with the young guy. You got to go with the guy that has more potential. Exactly. And I just think people, I think we see and we saw from 2013, 2014, you know, a lot of people see the, the 27 and two and they didn't, they don't remember. Yes, that he, he did. Had two terrible games in, the, in like 
right before he went on that crazy run. Mm-hmm. Then in 2014, in 2014, he was very inconsistent as well. So we know what we're going to get from, even in the Super Bowl year. Yep. He had a good game against the Giants. He had a terrible game against the Raiders and the Cowboys. Then he mm-hmm. went on a crazy run in the, in the postseason. But people don't remember that. Like people who just watch him afar, yep. they don't remember, they don't watch him every single game. So they don't see the inconsistency. Yes. And when people tell you who they are, you have to believe the kind of play that they are. Nick Foles is a very inconsistent play. He's going to have two good games. He's going to give you a bad game. He's going to give and those games are going to be amazing. Two bad those games are going to make it seem like he's the best so, quarterback to ever play the yeah. game of football. But then, it, yep, and then it's those games, exactly. man, where next he makes a questionable right. throw. I mean, he's like, he looks like a deer in headlights. I'm like, dude, what are you looking at? Uh-huh. And when I look at the way he throws, sometimes he gets like super lucky with his throws. Like when he throws it, he like throws it up. Mm. And there was a play against the Falcons when they came back that first game. He threw it, and there was like three defenders in, in like in that area, and it like barely went over their, their like fingertips. And it was a, a completion, but he just pretty much got lucky in that play. So I just don't. I just think people have to chill with the whole like folds and Wednesday because like yep. I said, when he went to Jacksonville, when he was with the Rams, like he was terrible. So it just. And back to the Sam Bradford thing. Again, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. I don't actually think they wanted Sam Bradford to be the quarterback. I, I remember that. To, I think they were doing that to try to. Flip yeah, him they were. Mariota, but it, it, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, so, but let's. But it didn't end up happening, so they, they were just pretty much stuck with Sam Bradford. So you know, Chuck Kelly had to, you know, break, make it seem like you know he traded for him. But in reality, I don't think that was the plan. I think the plan was to trade Foles for Bradford and then try to flip Bradford for, you know, It ended up being Howie flipping Sam Bradford can, to the Minnesota you know, Vikings for that first-round pick that would turn into Carson Wentz. It's just funny how things work out, man, but I would love to have Sam Bradford's career, man, exactly. to just be average to below average and still rob NFL teams for over $100 million. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's the yeah. <laughs> he's the biggest con artist ever, man. You can say what you man, want. Man, he comes out the, the year before the, the NFL stops anyways. with the whole rookies can debate their contract thing, and man, he took full advantage of right. it. Like, I appreciate him for that. I don't know who his agent is, but I need to hire him. <laughs> oh my god, man. There are players like you know, nope. There are players like ten times the talent that won't get that made. It's, it's, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm gonna let you go, boss. Uh, thanks for hopping on with me. I definitely will love to have you again. I've never had an Eagles mm-hmm. fan before because you know, always just thought, you know, I've I've been talking with myself a lot. Then I got tired of hearing myself talk. So I just figured, okay, let me bring the opponents on. So maybe all right, most definitely hit me uh, up, man. We can definitely do something again. And um, I'm gonna talk with my crew. We're gonna get something together too as well. All right, man. Thanks. Cool, cool. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, man. You got it. Go Eagles.